Hello and welcome along to the Leaders Performance Podcast. This is the podcast where you hear thought-provoking conversations with practitioners, senior coaches, athletes and directors, the individuals at the very top of high-performance sports. My name is Henry Breckenridge, I work in the content team here at Leaders and joining me for this episode is my co-host, it's the one and only, it's John Porch. John, welcome back, Happy New Year to you, how are you? Happy New Year to you Henry, if I can still say it as well. I'm fantastic, it's been a great start to the year so far and wow, what an introduction there. Very good, John. And 2024 is a big, big year for sport, isn't it? It's a huge year for sport. I mean, I'm just thinking of our members here. We've got the Men's European Championships coming up. The Football Association will be heavily involved with that, of course. You've got the Paralympic Games, the Olympic Games in Paris, the likes of the Australian Institute of Sport, the UK Sports Institute, the Czech Olympic Committee, all good members of ours. They'll be heavily involved when the time comes. Oh, it's going to be an exciting and fascinating year ahead. Are you revved up? Are you going to any of those events? Oh, let's wait and see. I sincerely hope so. I mean, I'd love to go to Germany for the Euros, right? Can you think of a better place? Oh, didn't you go to the Euros in France? A couple of years ago now. When was that? 2016, actually. Yeah, we did go as, a, as an office. So you've already had a taste of the <laughs> European Championships. I really have, and it's a great tournament. It truly is. And it's a big year for us at Leaders HQ with some of our events, isn't it? We're kicking off in two weeks' time, 7th and 8th of February, first Leaders Meet of the Year, and that's in Melbourne. It's at the Glass House, and we very much welcome you to come along if you're a member, not least if you're based in Australasia, but if you're flying in and fancy a bit of winter sunshine, then please do get in touch with us at leadersinsport.com forward slash performance. The clock is ticking, but spaces are still available. If you can't fit that one into the diary, but you're keen for more, we've got our next leaders meet at Millfield in April. We're heading back to LA in June, and then we're wrapping up things with our flagship summit in November here in London at the Oval. It's going to be a jam-packed year, plenty of content, plenty of virtual sessions going on outside of those things. So do check in with us here at Leaders, and we'd love to have you involved. That's 2024, John, but the guests we spoke to had a big, big 2023. Ben Baroudi of the Texas Rangers, World Series winners. It doesn't get much bigger, Henry. What a way to wrap up the year. World Series champs after 62 years of trying. I mean, it was great to have him on. It really was. And you can really feel the enthusiasm in the way he speaks about it. And they're clearly not resting on their laurels as well. They're continually talking about cultural development. They've got lots of irons in the fire. They talk about player development. And well, it was just a great chat, wasn't it? He's a smart cookie, is Ben. And he's also a leader's MVP. He is. He's attended roundtables, he's been to events, and he hosted us, didn't he, last year? Hosted us in Texas, but you and I didn't get out to that one, John. But hopefully we will be back in the not-too-distant future. Anyway, let's get into it then. This is your episode with Ben Baroudi. This one is sponsored by Kaiser. Enjoy. Ben Baroudi of the Texas Rangers. Welcome to the uh, Leaders Performance Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. We're all good, aren't we, John? Very well, thank you, Ben. Ben, are you, uh, are you dialing in from uh, Texas Rangers HQ, Globe Life Field? Whereabouts are you? No, I'm, uh, I'm at home this morning, uh, a little, little early here in the central time zone. So dialing in from home this morning and, and heading into the office from here. Ben, you've, uh, you've been with the Rangers for nine years, I think. You're in your third season with the side as the Director of Leadership and Organisational Development. Could you unpack that title for us? A little exercise for you. When, you. when you find yourself at fancy dinner parties, off-season obviously, 
and guests come up to you at these dinner parties who don't know you, they're outside sports and they introduce themselves and then they say to you, Ben, tell me what you do. What do you tell them? <laughs> it is a common question, but uh, maybe it's it's uh, a little fancier in title than, than execution. But I, um, yeah, I think it's it comes down to a big emphasis on personal growth and, and development, which comes in a few different forms, focused on staff development, which is pretty self-explanatory, but in the form of one-on-one group activities. And then what I kind of refer to as mind health, which I see as the core as we incorporate mental health resources uh, and practitioners with mental performance staff and personal development. That includes our player enrichment programs, helping young people self-reflect, grow, and evolve. The education programs, both formal and informal, so high school completion programs for our young international players, college programs for players, secondary education opportunities, and training topics for staff. And and I'm involved in some more big-picture organizational development items. I think different organizations structure things differently. Different organizations have some or all of these areas, but I do think we are unique in how we structure them under the same umbrella in a player-staff centric model, understanding that it might be part of a bigger organizational focus where, where these items are a priority. And um, I guess all that said, I think we are unique as, as kind of a standalone central department with dedicated staff in these areas. So it's a mix for you, a mix of training staff and players off the field, it sounds like mainly in terms of how they can kind of be better. Yeah. Yeah kind of coin the phrase holistic human development, which is really just trying to help develop and, and evolve the person, which I think at the end of the day, our business model as an organization is to go out and, and win baseball games. And I think helping the individual grow and develop translates to on-field success as well. Very good. And Ben, you might not know it, but you've also got uh, another title, I think. I think you were, you're a leaders MVP, are you not? I think you, ha- <laughs> you had us out in Texas last year. We hosted uh, one of our leaders meets at Texas Rangers at Globe Life Field. I think you've been on the podcast a few times, presented in some of our virtual sessions, our virtual roundtables. You're a bit of a leaders regular, aren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the event in Texas, I mean, that was an honor to be able to host the group and folks from really all over the world. And I think it was a great benefit for our staff that was able to attend and, and really just a great couple of, of days. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I try to frequent as many calls and, and events as I can. I think the content, the topics are always beneficial and the connections and relationships that I've made throughout the last couple of years being involved have paid off. You know, some folks I, I speak to uh, almost monthly, pretty regularly, just what they're doing, what we're doing, how we can share ideas and, and help each other get better. So it's a great organization. I'm a big advocate. Very kind of you, Ben. John, we didn't get out to Texas last year, did we? Unfortunately not. No. Maybe we'll be there for uh, part two. Let's see. Um, Run it back. <laughs> yeah, run it back. Very good. Let's uh, let's get into it then, Ben. So the Rangers have obviously had a, a brilliant time on the field of late, you know, becoming World Series champions in, in November 2023. I think I'm right in saying it's the first title in the franchise's 62-year history. You know, a remarkable achievement, especially given I think the team had a difficult time directly before in, in 2021 and 2022. So um, belated congratulations to you and the team first and foremost. But what our listeners may not know is the work that's happened off the field and behind the scenes to help pave the pathway for that success. From what I've heard, I think organisational culture is kind of a big part of that. 
So could you tell us a little bit about the culture at the Rangers and, you know, if you were to boil it down into perhaps a handful of things, what shapes the culture at, at Texas Rangers? Yeah, it's it's a great question and, and obviously something that when you see teams have some success, you want to know how they got there. I do a lot of the same. I think culture is often talked about, but sometimes it's hard to define. It needs to be cultivated and it really represents the values you set forth and the behaviors that model them. And sometimes I think with us, culture is felt more than spoken. But in general, I, I see our culture as values-based, purpose-driven. It's driven through care and competitiveness, and it has really high standards and expectations. It's kind of how I, I would summarize <laughs> who we are and what we represent. Ben, if Henry and I were flies on the wall in your environment, what are some of the signs that things are going well? Yeah, it represents some of the elements I mentioned, but I think we're consistently trying to be focused on the right things, um, not putting energy into areas that detract from who we aim to be, what we want to represent, and what we're looking to accomplish together. So that's competitiveness, it's collaboration, it's communication, it's having that shared mission of what we're trying to accomplish and developing collectively a roadmap of, of how we aim to get there and, and aim to get there consistently and sustainably. And how has that changed over time? You mentioned the roadmap there. What specifically prompted change in the past? I've been here nine seasons now, and there have always been a lot of positive elements to our culture. And although it's easy to say winning helped, but really a lot of these things were defined and a lot of the culture and values changed in definition and changed in how we view our, view their importance after we lost 100 games a couple of years ago. So I do think in our case, the culture preceded the results. So the big question is, is always how. I think it came down to rethinking and refining our core values, who we are, what we represent, how we live out those values, and a belief in what we can accomplish together. When everyone has a clear picture of what those priority values are, it's easier to embody them and be held accountable to them. We know what matters most and what we are working towards. You don't want them to just be buzzwords on the wall, do you? No, no. I think we've been victims of that at, at certain points in the past, and I think every organization is. So I think we take a few different approaches. I think they're constantly reinforced through meetings, through presentations, through discussions. They aren't just on a wall some, somewhere. They are truly part of how we operate. They are included as we constantly evaluate our decision-making and in our evaluation of personnel, both players and staff. They're the main components of our performance reviews from a staff standpoint. They're specifically defined by all domains of the organization, quite literally. We all have clarity into what they mean for us personally in our different sub-departments and then as a whole. And I think at the end of the day, if these things don't resonate with players, you know, you're falling short as well. So a lot of what we've done in particular on the minor league level with our young players is, is we've kind of mapped out what these values are, but then we've put it to them to speak amongst themselves, have, have collaborative discussions to create uh, the definitions around it and to um, set forth the behaviors that, that exemplify those values. And when you were setting these values, Ben, when you were kind of setting the organisational culture, was there anything that you wanted to kind of particularly steer away from that perhaps had contributed to sort of difficulty or 
or, or failure even in the past? I think it comes down to simplicity, clarity, and having values that are applicable to everyone in the organization. Whether you're a player, whether you're a scout, whether you're a coach, whether you're a, an analyst, they can be applied to your, your domain. And you know what that means to your role and responsibility. It, you know what it means um, to the organization as a whole. So I think some organizations and you know everyone's different and everyone has a different approach, but they might have 10 or 12. And I think to understand the clarity and, and have a, that collective clarity as an organization, simplicity and clarity is, is key around those. Do you have a uh, Texas Rangers acronym for that culture? I know sometimes those help with kind of resonance and help give it meaning and help people remember, that, I guess, the values. No forward-facing acronyms, but they're, they're really simple. It's be a good teammate, compete with passion, and dominate the fundamentals, which I think uh, on the surface seem almost really oversimplified, but they mean a lot and they can be applicable in a lot of different ways. If you're trying to be the best scout or coach or front office member in the entire industry, then you're you're leading with the competitiveness and the communication and collaboration and, and care you have for others. Like that's how you're exemplifying being that good teammate. And with a lot of our jobs, whether it's technical, whether it's administrative, whether it's physical, there's some core fundamentals that have to be in place. So I think those are our core values and how we apply them to every area of our domain has specific definition to everyone in the organization. Simple and effective. I like it. I like it. John, yeah. John are, you, uh, are you dominating the fundamentals uh, so far in January? <laughs> well, I'm certainly trying to control the controllables, Henry. I'm not sure if that's the same, but I think it might be the same ballpark. No, I like it. Simple and effective. And I really like the point you made there, um, Ben, around, um, you know, simplicity and, and clarity. I think sometimes these things get, um, well, maybe there's an overthinking element to them. And I think what you've got there is kind of, um, is simple and effective and, and no doubt has paved the way for success at the Rangers. I think we try to imply them 24 hours a day in theory. You know, it, you can boil them down to maybe the most obvious application, but I think when you really think through how you're structuring your day, how you're structuring your week, your season, your lifestyle, they can be applied really 24 hours a day. And we try to really live them out and not be selective in when we embody them. Keep the main thing the main thing, right? Absolutely. Lovely stuff. With that said then, Ben, with a World Series now under your belt, surely you've got this cultural aspect figured out, right? You don't need to change anything. It's kind of, if you had a checklist and you had items that contribute to success on and off the field, surely there's a big tick next to, uh, to culture, right? I think it reinforced we're on the right track. Um, I think with culture and just kind of the root of the, of the word, it's to be cultivated. So you're always going to have to pull some weeds and tend to things and give it water and give it sunlight. It, it can't be a stagnant thing. But I think you spend enough time in pro sports. As soon as you think you have it all figured out, you're close to being humbled. I think the exciting part about the last few months in the off season is the hunger is still there for the organization. I don't think there's any contentment. There's pride, there's accomplishment. There have been some celebrations. But there is definitely not contentment, and our focus is on building upon 2023 with a competitive focus on 2024 and beyond. And I think that in itself is good insight into who we are and, and who we aim to be and, and what we try and represent. And with that said, is there, is, has there been anything 
off the back of kind of reflecting on 2023 from a kind of values point of view that you're that you're looking to refine or tweak or improve on or is it continuing from where you left off we're always looking for opportunities to get better and and how we as individuals can improve upon 2023 and, and us as groups can improve with a big organization you know there's always areas for opportunity and i think we still see that <laughs> none of us as individuals are finished products and, and we certainly aren't as an organization so i think it's just evaluating what what we did well and how do we continue doing it and what are some areas for opportunity that we can focus on without trying to scatter our focus and and be particular in, in what we want to uh, aim to prioritize going into next year. One other factor that's been applauded and attributed to the organization's recent success is well-being and the Rangers U partnership I think is is a strand of that and perhaps we'll come on to that a little bit later. Well-being is you know topical it's something that we're hearing a lot from our members isn't it John? Absolutely Henry it's always top of their agenda. I think it's one of our uh, our trends that we've uh, got for 2024 that we uh, that we brought out not too long ago. So it's part of the literature, part of the hub, isn't it, John? For athletes and coaches. And so as an entry point into this next part of the discussion, Ben, I'd like to read a quote that you said about well-being. The apex of well-being and human performance is human flourishing. What does that mean? Yeah, it means a lot. It was framed that way to me by Dr. Michael Gervais, sport and performance psychologist. And I think on the front end, the aim and approach to all of our programs, processes, and our building blocks are based on the foundation of the human psyche, the psychology of healthy minds and lives. And and we try to take that evidence-based research and, and build it into baseball frameworks and development for the rest of the organization. It's our group's job to understand the why and help others find the what and how. So in terms of of that intersection of well-being and human performance and and human flourishing, that's the goal. That's what we're striving towards. It's an aspiration that's ever evolving, but it has a lot of positives along the way. It generates an increased likelihood of high performance. and, And when individuals have a good sense of self, they have a good sense of of what they want to be and and the clarity of how to get there. And we aim to provide support support and resources in all aspects along the way. If the individual's in a good place, when the environment's in a good place, it's going to increase the potential for optimal performance. And I think it it views our environment trying to create a setting of unlock versus extraction, that we're working to unlock true potential versus extracting output. When you talk in terms of flourishing, um, is really a holistic framework for well-being, coined by Martin Seligman, one of the leading researchers in, in positive psychology and, and really good article by, by Harvard Business. But the concept of flourishing doesn't mean that we will be happy at every moment of our lives or that everything in our lives needs to be going well for us to be doing well. It really means that we can connect to a sense of purpose and experience the positives, uh, build relationships and that matter to us and recognize and appreciate that our accomplishments, even in challenging moments and chapters of our lives, is growth and opportunity and, and something to be embraced. So Ben, at the top of your answer there, you said we looked to unlock potential rather than extract production. Could you just elaborate on that a little bit more? I think that'd be really fascinating for our listeners to kind of delve a little bit deeper into. Yeah, I think it's a concept that's applicable in sports. It's applicable in in corporate settings. It's really the approach to help 
individuals be the best they can be, help them understand what they're capable of, and then give them some support and resources and, and at times a roadmap to get there to be the best version of themselves and, and what they can do and be and accomplish and give them the belief that they can do it. Uh, I think a lot of industries, you know, over <laughs> the course of time have been more of an approach of extraction. Let's just get the most we can out of out of someone that's working 40 hours a week and see how much they can produce. And even I think in professional sports, it's let's take a million ground balls and, and that's how you're going to get better versus this balance of, of really helping the individual understand who they can be and, and what they can be um, if they truly kind of use some of the self-reflective processes and just um, embrace some, some opportunities for growth. So the extraction piece is, is where you, I guess you would see burnout. Typically. Not everyone, but I think uh, in today's world where burnout is a real topic and it's real and people experience it and you're seeing people leave industries because of it or, or leave organizations because of it because they feel like they're just there to produce, which I think in professional sports is the name of the game. But I think along the way, if we can give them the belief in themselves of, of what they can be, that's a more sustainable approach. Ben, I reckon this is a good time to move on to the topic of player development in relation to well-being. Now, what do you know about player development today that you didn't know, say, three years ago? We're still developing the individual is a big part of it. Players come to us so young, some 16 years old, some right out of high school, and we have the responsibility to continue their development off the field just as much as, as on the field. Most challenges in life, physical, mental, emotional, can be seen as transitory and development opportunities. And we're getting players in, in a very transitional period of their lives, just as basic human <laughs> foundation. So if we're only training the physical, we're leaving the individual with untapped potential. I think the other elements that we really have leaned into is it's still people-driven. We've invested a ton in resources, facilities, technology, but it comes down to the people that are, that are involved, the people that are creating an environment for collaboration and communication and still prioritizing that it's about the players and helping them get better and in, in architecting an environment that generates that. And I guess the last piece um, on that is is still, it can be process oriented, but outcome measured. So we you hear so much in, in pro sports about the process, the process, but we really try to train the truth. And if the process is not helping you prepare to compete, then often we, we need to adjust that. It's still very player centric, even if we're changing something very fundamental, player stance and delivery, uh, workload management, that's a collaborative process from medical, strength and conditioning, coaching, maybe even nutrition and, and mental skills, and it's player-centric, helping them get better at the end of the day. So you really are trying to balance challenge and support. Absolutely. You know, we, we are in an industry, and, and we have really high standards and really high expectations, but how you can parallel that with support creates the best environment for players to grow and develop and get better and, and optimize their potential. And do you see a distinction between challenge and stress in the playing environment? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think the main component that it comes down to is, is trust. And I think the more we're asking of someone, the more you're asking them to stretch outside their current skill set or their current comfort zone, the more you need to be prepared to support them and the more trust that you need to develop with them. There's a lot of challenge and support parallels. You can have a really low challenge, low support environment, and, and that will 
probably be pretty stagnant. You can have a really high challenge and low support environment, and, and that's pretty unrelenting, pretty anxiety-inducing. It's probably where pro sports and, and sports in general used to be and, and maybe still is in, in some extent. And then a low challenge, high support, that, that's probably too comfortable and coddling. But I think where we try to be is is high challenge, high support. You're facilitating, it's high development and performance, and in our view, high standards, high expectations with the truth and clarity of, of how to get there. And is that something that kind of permeates across the entire sort of performance side of the organization, would you say, Ben? Like it's a kind of universal approach that you take in terms of that high challenge, high support, or do you have to kind of take it case by case basis or kind of adapt as you go? I think we're in a good place. There's always areas and opportunities for improvement. And I think the, the modern player is very perceptive to their environment and, and they're very curious as to the why behind things. So I think being transparent in communicating um, why we're doing things and make it a collaborative experience. Some players just flat out don't like training in certain ways. So I think, you know, this is probably more a coach-centered question, but it, it's creating and architecting a way that's best for the player to help them get better in the areas that they need to improve upon and giving them some ownership and accountability in that process and making it collaborative at the end of the day. How do you measure mental well-being, Ben? I think for everyone, it's different. It depends on, on the individual. If you take the perspective of, say, like the mental wellness model utilized by mental health practitioners. Those components are relationships, your professional career, your spirituality, your leisure habits and hobbies, your physical health, your environmental security, your finances. We have pretty intentional and specific approaches to help guys with each of these. For me personally, I think it's the sense of purpose. It's the sense of clarity of values and priorities. It's what's being contributed to the well-being of groups and individuals. Personally, it's the mental, emotional, physical health security and health of connections and relationships. Uh, I think for teams, it's likely having that connectedness and, and shared mission. Having that sense of connectedness is, is really significant. You know, the Owen Eastwood book, Belonging, recently, you know, that's, that's kind of the main theme of kind of the human psyche is wanting to feel that connection and that belonging to different groups. And it creates satisfaction, it creates motivation, um, and, and having that security is, is really empowering. That's one of my reading lists, John. It's a superb book, Henry. I, I've not Trust actually, me. I've not come across, uh, well, I've come across it, obviously, but I've not actually had the time to uh, to read it yet. But I know it's one that crops up all the time in the performance conversations we're having. I think I was on a, I was on a virtual roundtable the other day and it was, it was about belonging and the amount of people that referenced Owen Eastwood's book was, um, was remarkable. Not really. a surprise there. Yeah, I need to, uh, I need to delve into that one and uh, get stuck into it because I've only heard good things. I think it depends on, on how you define well-being, how you define success. I think the reality for athletes is they may be performing and winning at a really high level, but they might be miserable, to put it frankly. So is that success? It might be on a team level, but is it sustainable for the individual? For some, yes. For many, no. For some individuals, that might provide ultimate fulfillment. So it's pretty individualized. And I think every individual must find and determine for themselves. And that is the purpose, I think, of what we try and do in, in our group with this organization is to help individuals find what that means to them, how to get there, and in doing so, 
the team results and, and on-field performance should should be positively impacted. And that's really why we try to reinforce a lot of these elements uh, on the individual level, on the team level, in group discussions. I know well-being, say for me, and in, in shaping how I define it and define how it relates to success and, and my perspective on it has changed a lot. In the past, on paper, I may have been quote unquote successful, but my belt, my well-being may have been suffering. I didn't have balance. I didn't have the security. I was compromising a lot. But when I really dedicated and focused on, on my well-being, it tapped into parts of me that I never knew I had, that I never knew was possible. And that's where I think we come back to that unlock into play in this context. And I think in turn, my, my well-being has a positive, not only on my personal life, but, but how I've contributed to the organization. And Ben, you're looking to empower individuals, almost encourage people to go on a journey of self-discovery. Now, I wonder how that feeds into their leadership development as well. I think it was last week sometime, or maybe even recently, Pete Carroll, potential Hall of Fame coach of the Seahawks at his press conference, was recently asked, what advice do you have for the next coach? And he said, the essence of being as good as you can be is you, you got to figure out who you are. And I think much of what we put into place is to help people do just that, help them ask the right questions to find the critical answers and not give them the answers, but we try to empower them in the process. Back to the conversation in a moment. But first, a word about our main partners, Kaiser. For over 40 years, Kaiser has been at the cutting edge of the fitness industry. Kaiser Strength products utilize pneumatic technology and dynamic variable resistance, which allows the user to build strength at any speed. And it offers an unrivaled opportunity to work towards any training goal. Kaiser's cardio products are smooth, silent, compact, and designed with the user in mind. Built with Bluetooth integrated technology, the simplistic yet striking design offers unmatched user longevity. Simply put, Kaiser Equipment raises the bar in elevating human performance for everyone. If you'd like to hear more, then please get in touch with the leaders team, who will be delighted to introduce you to the right person at Kaiser. Alternatively, visit kaiser.com to find out more. And now, back to the conversation. Ben, I just want to come back to some of the things you were saying about your kind of own mental well-being and how you previously didn't get the, you didn't feel as though you had the right balance. You know, you were perhaps successful. Uh, in your role but you know you're at the the detriment to your well-being I suppose what point did you kind of realize and have a kind of eureka moment that there was an imbalance and what practically did you go about to address that yeah I I think it was just you know I've got a family um, young son wife and I think they're really good at at giving me perspective. You know, they're pretty transparent when they feel like I'm not present or not engaged or, or maybe not around enough. And I think it was just reframing, you know, how do I how do I reestablish what's most important? And in doing so understand that and they understand that I have a very demanding profession and something that requires travel and, and time commitments and late nights and, and so on. But understanding how to create that balance and prioritize those things that matter most and build them into the daily routines of ensuring that I'm giving everything I can to 
them and taking care of myself and really giving the, the organization pretty much everything else I have. I don't golf. I don't <laughs> kind of go out <laughs> to beers with the buddies. And those are things I obviously enjoy, enjoy doing and enjoyed doing in the past. But um, it just comes down to what's most important and how do you prioritize them and build in kind of a system in which that you can stay con consistent to them uh, is what it came down to for me. Perhaps having a, a few cold ones when the leaders team are in town for a, a leaders meet in Texas though, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That is an important point that you make though and um, it made me think of Scott O'Neill's book, the former chief executive of the um, Philadelphia 76ers and the title of the book is Be Where Your Feet Are and it's all about just the importance of being present in the moment, you know, when you're whether you're having kind of dinner with your family, you know, you haven't got your phone out, you're kind of present, you're focusing, you're part of the conversation. If you're with the team, you're with the team. If you're doing exercise, you're giving your all for exercise, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's an important, an important point you make in terms of, you know, getting that balance and making sure that you're present with the people that you're with at whatever time that might be. Absolutely. And some of it I've had to actively train it. Um, I think that's really why I've prescribed and, and believe in mindfulness and, and meditation is, is more just the ability to be present when the time calls for it and understanding and how to ground yourself and how to hit the reset button at times when you are you know having dinner and you're distracted by something or the second you walk in the door, you're, you're looking at the phone and just being aware of where you are and what is most important to have your focus and attention at a given moment, um, whether that's at home, whether that's at work, whether it's at any walk of life. It's something that I've tried to intentionally train and develop my ability to be better at that. I want to come on to the Rangers U program, if I may, Ben, a partnership with um, the ACU, I think I'm right in saying. I think that was a kind of partnership or initiative that was introduced a, f a few years ago now. And I know that that has an important kind of mental health strand to it and development strand to it. Could you just tell our listeners a little bit about that and perhaps how players and staff are, are benefiting? Well, we, we originally developed the program as a response to players underutilizing the continuing education resources that we set aside for them. We found that they weren't really taking advantage for a few reasons. It was inconvenient to go through the process, to know where to go, to know what to study, where to study, time, et cetera. They, they may not be interested in kind of the entry level courses being offered at a typical university um, and maybe felt a bit isolated in doing so. So we developed a fully virtual, fully bilingual program where they could join teammates and coaches studying topics that we discuss as an organization that should help them in their careers, both on and off the field. So develop classes in mental performance, cross-culture communication, leadership development, teams and team culture, baseball history, and develop these courses with our foundational priorities in these areas. We're also emphasizing helping our international players finish their high school education, pursue secondary degrees, and, and develop English as a second language skill. So I think the more you can create opportunities for people to go outside of their comfort zone, and facilitate growth. It builds confidence, it builds perspective, and it helps to build up some resiliency as they're faced with challenges that are inevitably gonna come up throughout life and, and their careers. And what's the uptake been like, Ben? Is it, you know, is it, um, I imagine it's an optional set of courses for the players. If you could put a, a percentage on it, how many 
Rangers players in terms of the ones that are up and coming uh, and maybe some that are in the the first team have kind of enrolled in this program and, and on these courses? It's an ever evolving process. I think when we first introduced it, there was some skepticism, there was some interest, you know, a good amount of players signed up and, and had a positive experience through it. But I think the nature of pro sports is some players move on from organizations, some players get to the big leagues, some players either are released or retire. So each year, you're kind of starting from scratch a little bit. So um, I'd say our, our our numbers are pretty consistent, but um, it's certainly a new wave. And the cool thing is we've had coaches that have now expressed interest and in they're joining some of these programs. Um, we've had public interest to join them as well, uh, which we've created kind of a separate entity for that. So I think it's completely optional and, and it's really exciting when you see guys that opt into it and have a positive experience through it because because you just you see them growing as individuals and they're collaborating, communicating with their teammates in a whole different form and fashion. Have you embarked on any uh, courses yourself, Ben? Uh, well, the cool part is um, I was pretty heavily involved on the front end of developing them. So kind of building out from, say, like a leadership development standpoint or a team culture standpoint, the mental skills and performance pillars. We kind of built out a lot of those in collaboration with the university on the front end. So I felt like I knew the content pretty well. So I have I have an opt in. <laughs> no homework for you then. <laughs> no, no. Really made cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you design the course, Ben. You don't. Uh, you don't need to uh, take the exams. You're all good. You're already. Uh, you already got your pass mark. Yeah. Ben, I wanted to talk to you about character development as well. What is the best way to approach character development? For us, I think it's by empowering the individual and in, in doing so kind of re reverse engineering KPIs for them as players, but also individuals. You know, what are the kind of key performance indicators? If we know having healthy habits and, and routines is indicative of high performance, then we better help guys develop it. Does community service help guys hit or pitch better directly? No, but it builds a sense of identity and connection with teammates, with the community. It enhances gratitude and facilitates reflection. And I think our approach to leadership development, staff development, character development is all with an intent of helping performance on the field, but it's going to be different for different people. And, and there's certainly no cookie cutter approach. Our approach is one of self-reflection and discovery. And much of what we have put into place is, is help people do just that, help them ask the right questions to find the critical answers, not give them the answers. Um, we try to empower them in the process and try to do it in a way that's, that's uh, collaborative with their teammates and being able to connect and, and communicate and discuss things with their teammates that, that might not naturally come up, you know, whether it is gratitude or resiliency or accountability those types of topics, it just gives a different layer of connection with your teammates and give the opportunity to learn from them. Ben, could you give us an example of some of the questions that you're pointing their way to help find those critical answers? I know you said that you're not telling them the questions or telling them the answers, but I imagine you're giving them a bit of a steer. So could you maybe just give us a, a couple of examples? Yeah, I think we try to prompt some questions into into it a bit. So if we're trying to help players identify their core values or their vision and mission for their career, we might start on the front end of who's someone that's had a really impactful role in your life or who's someone that 
that you kind of look to as, as someone you admire and what are the qualities in them that, that you really gravitate towards. And that allows them to, to maybe help identify what are the values and qualities within myself that, that I prioritize and that I really want to embrace and, and bring to light more often. So that's sort of an, a, a pretty simplistic example of how we prop, prompt some of these exercises. But I think it's when you're taking maybe external influences and you're helping make them more internal to who you are and who you want to be, um, it's, it's a bit easier if you're kind of prompted through some of those exercises. Absolutely. Yeah. Seems so simple, you kind of outlining it that way, but I imagine it allows for kind of deep reflection, sort of internal analysis, and I guess it kind of ignites some people into action in terms of where they want to go next, right? Absolutely. Uh, one thing I'm curious to ask as well, Ben, is can you notice distinct character traits between, say, batters and pitchers, or not, as the case may be? Every player is different. So to, to kind of distinguish that, we, we do have some, some kind of quantitative approaches to things in terms of like personality assessments and so on. But for the most part, you, you talk to guys and, and some guys are completely different person on the field than they are off the field. And some are very tightly related. So um, I think from a character trait, um, it's hard to, to kind of boil that down. But I think when you talk about uh, players who have the most su- success, um, it's, it's about knowing themselves, knowing what they do well, knowing how to uh, train and prepare themselves to be ready to compete at the end of the day and it's and it's having the consistency through those things you know i think when you talk about really the mental side of the game mental skills is about developing consistency being present focusing at the right time right thing at the right time responding to adversity being able to compete and execute at a high level regardless of of external circumstances and, and really owning your preparation where you justify and earn the trust in the confidence that you have going into competition. And how do you feel when you see players practicing their mental skills work without any prompting from you? I think they've determined the benefits of it. They are refining what they need to help them be ready. And I think we, we as an industry and in sports in general, for so many years, we train the physical uh, so much and train the physical so so hard that there's only really three things that you can train your body your mind and your craft and I think we train the body a lot we train the craft a lot <laughs> through practice and in games and simulations I think we have the opportunity to to develop the mind and the mind has great stamina and great capacity for growth so I think players that are not tapping to, into that or maybe leaving some potential left on the bone, if that if that makes sense. So it's just, it's really encouraging. I think any individual, not just athletes, can certainly benefit from those skills and practicing it and training it. Even for myself personally, it's, I anticipate this situation. How do I want to respond to it? And sort of walking through a simulation of, of maybe a situation that I know is going to arise or as a player, if they're anticipating something that's going to happen in the game tonight and they can prepare for how they want to respond to it, they're, they're more apt to, to respond positively when that moment arises. Ben, if you were to, uh, to crunch the numbers and put, I guess, a percentage on each of those three things, so the, your craft, the mind and the physical nature, how 
much would you attribute to each of those things? Uh, if you're In slicing of, up kind of 100%. Yeah, if you're slicing up 100% and uh, you're placing, you know, importance on each of those three things, yeah, how are you kind of divvying it up? I think our our strength and conditioning coaches might disagree with me. So don't, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a little bit off the top of my head, but I think, you know, a lot of what we deal with in baseball is it's a really long season. They play every day with some of our teams in, in Arizona and Texas here in the States. The, the heat is uh, at times unbearable. So understanding that throughout the course of a season or out the course of the day, how much are we fatiguing the body? while preparing that we still have a lot enough left in the tank to to play on a given night and then within our player development department you know guys are still developing they're still improving they need to work on things so i think all of our athletes are really really talented um they already have a really good baseline and foundation of physical and skills so i would probably say in a given day if you could do like 30% 30% physical, 30% training. Ah, you guys stumped me. <laughs> I want I want and I'm not a math major, so it's Don't be diplomatic to the S&C coaches, Ben. No, Let's just have no. it straight from the cuff. I think the mental side of it is like I said the most stamina, the most capacity. I think in in a 24-hour span, it's what you need to train and develop the most and also rest and recover um, in all of those areas. So I'm going to say uh, 60% mind and then 20 and 20 craft and body. <laughs> Very good. We won't tell them. We won't oh, tell sounds them. Sounds reasonable yeah. to me. <laughs> no, absolutely. Ask they're me all, again tomorrow. They're all important. They're all important. But the mental aspect is the most important, as you alluded to there. I think it's, yeah, it's where everything else flows from at the end of the day. No, that makes sense. And I think that's something we're hearing more and more across the Institute from our members, isn't it, John? Again and again, Henry, absolutely. We're coming to the end of the uh, the podcast, Ben. But before we wrap things up, I'd like to um, like to pick your brains and take some recommendations from you, and um, hopefully leave some of our listeners with some food for thoughts. So, could you tell us something that you're reading or listening to, or perhaps even watching that you'd uh, you'd recommend? I, I tried to have a, a busy winter of reading. I think in season it's tough with games every night. I might get some done on planes, but that's often my unplugged time. So I've been reading, you know, a good amount of counseling philosophies and therapies, Freud, Jung, Adler, general cognitive behavioral approaches, just how we refine some of the behind the curtain reasoning behind some of our programs. But uh, in terms of books, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, this is more of a bedside resource. Just reading a page, a passage, or an excerpt before bed or in the morning is helpful. It's definitely not a cover to cover one time read. I, I try to pick it up when I need to be grounded a bit. I like the quote, it's, it's, if it is not right, do not do it. And if it is not true, do not say it. I mean, it's just filled with like, simple items like that, that can just help grind, uh, ground you a bit. Read uh, Carol Dweck's mindset, you know, becoming is better than being and just understanding like our capacity for growth. And most high achievers, you know, have that growth mindset and approach to things. Um, I mentioned the Owen Eastwood belonging. I reread James Clear, Atomic Habits. I think this is one because it's a main element that our players and staff aim to approve upon is like habits, routines, um, and structure. A really cool one I checked out recently was Discovering the Meaning of Life, Viktor Frankl. 
if we're when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And the meaning of life is to give life meaning. I think that reverts back to a lot on what we aim to do. For a man that claims not to do too much reading, you're not doing too badly there, Ben. Let me tell you, you put you put yeah. me you put me to shame. That's for sure. Yeah, and, just yeah, it's, I, I had a lot to catch up on. <laughs> very good, very good. And just lastly, is there anything that you are kind of watching? sort of particularly closely from a sort of high performance trend point of view is there anything you've kind of got half an eye on in 2024 in terms of like yeah trends or kind of habits or potentially an area for marginal performance gains my approach is more just open for inspiration um, and open to to take ideas from other high performing individuals or high performing teams or what's going on and how do we utilize this to maybe help us you know i love biopics and docuseries i'm pretty obsessed with gaining insight into revolutionary individuals that that kind of push the envelope creative individuals you know whether it's teams individuals uh you know watch the the picks on sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger point break the tennis series these are the best tennis players in the world, but the series is full of mostly the, the mental side of the game, the emotional side of the game, the, the balance, the pressure, and then, you know, different teams, Hard Knocks, uh, the Tour de France series, Drive to Survive, you know, series on Arsenal, Man City, others, like any, any docuseries or biopic, I'll, I'll probably check them out. I've been able to meet so many people across sport and all over the world. So now I feel like I'm invested in all of them and wanting to learn more about how they're doing, uh, understand their, their cultures a bit better. I think just from an inspiration standpoint, that comes from my family. They make me want to be better every day. They make me want to be the best version of myself. Making time with them, little getaways with them really recharge me. Um, I think a day alone with them at the beach can really fuel me for months. And then just internally, you know, what I've kind of mentioned before, working out, mindfulness practice, long walks usually generate the majority of, of my creativity and, and reframing how I look at things. A fitting note on which to end. There's been a ton of practical takeaways for our listeners there, Ben. I know I speak on behalf of John and I. Just a massive, massive thank you. And yeah, really appreciate your insights on the, on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate you having me.